Hello and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors, which specializes in building commercial and mixed use property portfolios. If you ever want to find out more about that, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk. Before we get started this week, I have two announcements out. Firstly, if you didn't hear it already, NC Real Estate is hiring. We have job opportunities for an asset manager and a graduate surveyor. If you are interested in applying, can you email me, please, at natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I will send you through the job description so that you can see if that fits you. And then all the details of how to apply are at the bottom of the job description. And then secondly... If you want to find out more about investing in commercial property and how to add commercial property into your property portfolio, I'm hosting a webinar on the 23rd of August at 7pm UK time, where you can come and join me live. And I'm going to go through everything you need to know about investing in commercial property this year. All you need to do is go to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash August 22 and just register. I'll send you through all the details come and join me ask as many questions as you want the more interactive it is the better the webinar so please come and join me live right today we have a really excited conversation I have got Bryn Walker and David Nicklin from Retirement Capital here hello and Natasha how's it going Natasha (laughs) yeah very well thank you enjoying the hot weather Good. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. For those of you who are listening, if you have not come across Retirement Capital before, then you need to. Um, Retirement Capital Assess Administrators. And you've probably heard over the last couple of weeks of me doing my podcast is that I have set up my SAS now over the last think couple of months and as I said before my SAS is with Retirement Capital. NC Real Estate and Retirement Capital are partnered together whilst I have to give out the disclaimer we do not get any any recommendation fees or referral fees between companies we just really really respect each other and that's why we have decided to collaborate so I have to put that out there to start off with. Um, So today we're going to be talking about all things SAS commercial property, why it's so important that commercial property and SAS are mixed and we're partnering. So that's today. That's what we're going to do. Hopefully we'll give you a really good overview of um, SAS, what it does, why we're excited um, about investing in commercial property through our SASs. Um, So to start off with, can I ask you both just to give a general overview of retirement capital and what you do? Do you want me to start, Brian? Yeah, go on, mate. Perfect. Uh, yeah, my name is Dave Nicklin. I'm the Director of um, Retirement Capital or RC Administration, which is the administration firm that look looks after all the SAS schemes. Um, we currently administer around 800 schemes, um, probably around 1,200 members. Um, it's a um, very sort of labour-intensive exercise, we have about 14 staff, um, and our main purpose is to keep our SAS member trustees safe from the uh, HMRC. Um, and it's all about tax integrity and ensuring that whatever you invest into uh, retains that all-important tax integrity. 
um, and on to you, Ben. Great. Hi, everybody, and thanks for having me, Natasha. I'm really grateful uh, to be here. So um, on and off, I've worked with uh, with SAS for about the last uh, the last thirty years. Uh, I suppose the first ten years was um, was advising clients on SAS, and the last twenty have, has been in in running SAS pension schemes for uh, for our for our member trustees. Um, obviously, we provide an administration function. That is the main purpose of a of a SAS administrator is to make sure that your your SAS is administered in the way you would uh, that you would like. Um, RC um, have invested very heavily in our own proprietary uh, systems and technology over the past four years, basically because we couldn't find a software uh, a system that was uh, that was fit for purpose. Most of them have been sort of cobbled together from um, from um, DB scheme administration software or defined contribution scheme administration software. So um, we're very certainly very proud of that because the most important thing for a SaaS administrator um, after doing after being tax after the tax integrity of course is to make sure that you can actually do some of the things that you want to do with your SaaS that we'll talk about um, during the course of this podcast. But most importantly, you want to be able to do it in a timely manner. Um, and having our own proprietary systems in place allows us to be um, very efficient in terms of the administration, which after all is what you're paying us for. Mm-hmm. So can I ask, who would a SaaS be useful for? Owner, managed business. Okay. That is where the roots of a SaaS were based. The 19, uh, 1974 Finance Act, or 73, I can't remember which one, but SaaS was introduced and it was introduced to the owner-managed business uh, marketplace. And really what it was for is so that, you know, if, if a company wanted to make a big, large pension contribution, they could. Um, without the worry of, of actually tying that cash flow up um, that they might need to run the business. So um, the um, trading company made a contribution to the pension fund and then they could loan back at, at, as and when needed up to 50% of the assets of the pension fund back to the trading company if they needed that cash. So whilst they were gaining tax relief, they were also um, uh, and, and, and building up their relevant retirement benefits, they were also... Um, able to use half of the money that they had made as a contribution anyway, or the value of the fund. So it became useful. Um, that sort of progressed for a long time. And then obviously the property fraternity got interested in SAS. And that's um, hence why we're, we're, we're sort of here now. It sort of brought a new breed of SAS client on. Um, and um, that SAS client has sort of really looked at more sort of emphasis on the residential property and it what it does is it puts the SAS in a position where is it a square peg and trying to put a square peg in a round hole um, and we've certainly seen that um, there's major challenges where you are trying to uh, trying to get a SAS to interact with somebody who wants to build a residential property portfolio is definitely more suitable to a commercial property strategy Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why um, once we heard you talk uh, at the SAS Scotland event, uh, which was online at the time, uh, the penny dropped for us, really. And we just thought, you know, this this would be a really great way to help our member trustees understand the benefits of commercial property. There's so many educators out there that talk about residential, residential. And as soon as they saw an opportunity for SAS funds to be utilised um, in a very creative way, which causes its own problems. 
which we'll probably talk about on a separate podcast, mm-hmm. um, but I don't want to get too sort of in depth on that, is what we saw was a, a, a good way for our clients to and our member trustees to understand more about commercial property. And Bryn, well on board. Soon as soon as we heard you talk at South Scotland, it was, you know, we Bryn and I think very much along the same lines on this sort of stuff. So Yeah, no, I I, I mean absolutely. If if we went back to the back to the beginning where Dave started, um, you know, one of the really helpful things that a, 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 a SAS pension could do for owner-managed businesses was um, once they'd built up sufficient money in, in the pot, was to allow an owner-managed business to buy its own premises. Yeah, exactly. Um, so buying its own premises, as I think everybody should understand, um, gives numerous advantages. Firstly, it provides a cash flow advantage to the business because the pension scheme is buying an asset from itself, providing cash flow. Once the commercial premises are, are, are in the pension, um, then the, the 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 company can actually pay rent to uh, to itself, thereby growing the pension. Um, you've got security of tenure because, of course, the owner of the business and the owner of the pension is the same person, so they're very unlikely to kick themselves out. Um, and of course, the SAS being a trust, um, any, any investments or any property inside um, a SAS pension is is protected should the unfortunate event of insolvency um, occur. So, I mean, SAS owning commercial premises is, I mean, I, I think it's a hand in glove. That's that that's that, that's the way that's the way I look at it, and I think it's it's really really helpful for for any business person that that, that operates out of premises, be it office, be it industrial, um, be it be it a shop. It doesn't doesn't really matter the, the 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 breadth and width of commercial properties, more or less endless, as I'm sure you you'll tell us more about in in a second, Natasha. Um, but I think you know because commercial property and um, and SaaS pensions fit together so well, um, I think that then provides an opportunity for um, business owners to to look beyond just their own premises and perhaps become you know slightly entrepreneurial or build up a, a property portfolio, whereby they buy commercial or industrial or or you know other commercial premises and rent it out to other people, which is a fantastic way of a growing the pension pre-retirement um, and b. Um, providing a pension when, when, once you actually decide to retire, because to me, rent um, is, is is a fantastic um, way of providing providing a pension. Um, it's a much better alternative than many of the other options out there. I mean, in my opinion, um, but I, I really like property as an investment within 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 SaaS pensions. Yeah, I think we've we've seen historically how beneficial a commercial property. Um, is that when it sits in a, in a SAS pension. So I don't know a huge amounts around commercial property. What I do know is that we've got 900 clients, 900 schemes, 1,200 members. And some of us, the schemes that have had the best returns are the schemes that have bought commercial property and kept hold of it. Yeah. They may have traded from there. They may no longer trade from there. They may have sold their business and actually the new proprietor trades from the business, from the property that they own. So and they're getting a good yield. So what we see is we see some huge success stories. Like I said earlier, um, we were having a chat earlier, Natasha. You know, seven or eight really big success stories. And uh, I would say a couple of them happened accidentally. You know, they bought commercial property, they made a good decision, um, they invested into the commercial property, they traded from it, and uh, you know the increase in value has been astronomical in uh, in, in in some of our schemes. But it's where we see the most success in, in, in the breadth of our schemes is where they invest into commercial property. And that's fact. 
perfect. So that leads us on to the fact that, and we've been talking about this earlier, um, the fact that I personally believe that residential is a little bit boring. I do have residential in my portfolio. You guys know about it, um, but you also know how much stress it causes me. If you listen to last week's podcast, where I actually had a 15 minute rant over some managing agents that I had no idea how I could control them and ended up losing my mind. Um, If you want to hear me rant or be angry, I mean, do go back and listen to that podcast, but I would probably just you know, if you haven't listened to it, this is fine. Keep going. Um, so I find residential can be quite pernickety and whereas commercial can be really innovative. And we were just talking about this again before we started the podcast, uh, mainly because we we tend to have long chats. So we probably should have been recording it. But to go back over that commercial property, you can do what you like with it you can have whatever tenants you want in there you can change tenants around you can have all sorts of uh interesting tenants it's not just that retail bread and butter stuff that people traditionally think of um you know when we think of commercial the property that goes in sasses what have you both seen what sort of commercial property are we seeing in in sasses not i assume it's not all just your resident your retail high street sorry um, very much a, um, uh, very, the older sort of SAS client, class client that we've had in our books for a while, SAS trustees, very much manufacturing. Yeah. Um, so it's very much sort of factory, trade from the factory, produce what they, the goods that they produce, um, end of year, make a contribution from the profits. And same goes again the following year. Each year the property goes up in value. And, um, and they get they, they, the company pays, the limited company pays the SAS the rent. And over the years, that rental payment increases. It's just a win-win from, from every, every situation. Um, and then we've got a, a mix of um, starting to see more where a client will, a member trustee will own a large commercial property. He doesn't need that amount of space anymore. So we'll split it off. And he'll rent it out, and um, his SAS will receive a rent, and he will trade the other bits of units in between, and his limited company will make a profit on that. Yeah. Um, we're starting to see, and I think this has been brought up uh, um, at one of the SAS groups, so we're starting to hear more um, innovative uses of commercial property, um, which I think has been tagged the CMO strategy. Um, I'm often asked what CMO is. Or where it came from, I don't know because I didn't create it. But I guess it—I mean—it stands for commercial multiple occupancy, and I guess it's a play on the HMO, which is a, a property strategy that many people are familiar with. Um, but when you took it, when you look at the, the what, what CMOs can do um, with the, the lack of hassle factor that, that Natasha talked about uh, <laughs> just a second ago, but the returns from having multiple multiple tenants in one property. Is absolutely astronomical. I mean, I'm seeing returns that I can barely believe. You know, thirty percent a year return on capital employed, um, which you know, you as the pension holder and as the property owner control this. I mean, these types of returns are are remarkable, both pre and post retirement. I mean, could you imagine retiring on thirty percent of your pension fund a year? I just think, I mean, you know, the opportunities here are incredible. But um, I do want to firmly say. David and I are SaaS administrators. That's what we're really good at. We're not commercial property experts, and our clients ask us about commercial. So what we really needed to do was find 
commercial property experts that we know, like, and trust. Um, and you guys just, you guys have just ticked, ticked that box so many, in so many different ways. We're really, really pleased with the, with the partnership. Um, and as I said, um, if our clients can talk, want to know about commercial, come talk to NCRE. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So how? So let's talk now into strategy for purchasing commercial, um, because I know there's multiple ways people can purchase inside their SaaS. I assume they can purchase outside of their SaaS. Can you talk us through what strategies you can employ using your SaaS to buy a commercial property? You can. Uh, well, I, I know Bryn's going to talk about buying uh, a SaaS within. Sorry, buying. A, I'll start again. Buying a commercial property within the SaaS wholly. Yeah. Uh, so um, I've been uh, sort of looking into um, ways to help you buy a commercial property in your limited company. Um, so effectively, uh, if your SaaS has got a fund, let's say half a million. Yeah, and um, it wants to buy commercial property. Um, the limited company can buy the commercial property. It can either get a mortgage or it can use its own cash. Um, obviously, if it's a mortgage, the lender will have the first charge. Uh, the SAS can come in as the equity piece within the deal. So the SAS can come in um, as maybe the other 50% in equity. Uh, but you must remember that the if, if you've got a mortgage on that property or a lender involved, the lender will have the first charge. So it does leave the SAS somewhat exposed. The SAS is interest is, I'm not going to say it's secured because it's not secured, the bank have got the first charge. The SAS's interest is um, is ring fenced through a declaration of trust. So the SAS will hold the equity through a declaration of trust. So realistically, rents will come in, um, the rent will, the mortgage will get covered and 50%, the other 50% will go into the SAS's rental income. What it allows you to do with your half a million pounds is that allows you to leverage up, yeah, and buy more commercial property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know Bryn's going to um, talk more about the CMO side of it um, and actually buying a SaaS within your, within sorry, buying a commercial property within your SaaS. Um, so it's just a, a, one of the, now on where you're using your SaaS to help provide the equity piece, it only really works where you've not, if you've only, if, you, if you're the member trustee, doesn't really work if you've got a professional corporate trustee involved because obviously you're asking the member trustee is making a decision understanding the risks mm-hmm. um, of, a, of a default or complete or where the bank has to come in and there's a loss. In that instance, then obviously the SAS could make some heavy losses and in fact lose its equity if a property is sold at a fire sale. And if you your SAS has a professional trustee, that professional trustee generally will not want to get involved because they'll be carrying the can that decision okay so do you want me to do the inside go on the inside outside so this i I find this quite an exciting strategy i mean um you see a lot you know prop some of the dream of property is is to be able to give up the day job which is which is you know which is great want to start my own business want to do property want to give up the day job some of the difficulty is that you know the majority of somebody's savings is in is in a pension fund um, and they're not yet 55. So how can how can how can the CMO strategy help? So in simple terms, um, the SaaS could buy a a commercial unit. Now, often people haven't bought commercial before. Another reason to be partnering up with NCRE. Um, 
But I can say to, to a lot of clients, look, if you start with a shop, if you start with a shop, why? Because it looks like a house. So we're all familiar with buying houses and shops. Two up, two down looks a bit looks a bit like a house, doesn't it? There's a ground floor and then there's an upstairs. So the SaaS can buy can can can, can buy the shop. That's perfectly fine. But then the CMO strategy that Natasha will talk about um, a lot more, which is having multiple clients using that one one premises. Um, the first thing that needs to happen is that the SaaS, once it's bought the shop, will then will then lease that shop to its own property management company. So now the property management company is the entity that's in control of finding all of the tenants. So as long as the SaaS is, is receiving a market a market based rent, which uh, Rick Surveyor will be able to give, then we as the SaaS administrator are perfectly happy with that return. Then the magic happens in 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 um, in the property management company. The property management company, as Natasha has, uh, has rightly said earlier, can proportion that property or split that property up into various different sections. Um, as much as you got, as much as, as as the investor requires, I mean, an interesting one would be a nail bar, where you could uh, where you could rent out the desks um, on an individual basis, as opposed to one person. You could rent out four desks at hundred pound a week, and all of a sudden, the ground floor of this shop is now cash flowing four hundred pounds a week, uh, which I think off the top of my head, twenty odd thousand pound a year, and you might only be paying you know a, a rent to the SaaS of perhaps seven and a half thousand pound a year. Well, I'm, I guess what I'm saying there is the property management company um, is is now is now cash flowing for about fifteen grand a year. Now, each sleep, repeat that three times, and you're making forty five thousand pound a year from your pension scheme. But you're making the money outside of your pension scheme that you can use to replace your salary with. And I think this is tremendously exciting. I think this is probably the. I, I think this this has probably got a lot of legs into the future, especially as we're now all sick of working from home and. The need for office space or communal working space is increasing. This um, this allows um, properties to be proportioned in multiple different ways, um, where again you're getting multiple tenants from 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 one property. Uh, but the cash flow, as I'm sure Natasha are going to, uh, could be immense. So happy days. Learn more about the CMO strategy. Yep, yep. Um, can I then ask about this loan back? And I'm going to put it in, you can't see because this is a podcast, but I'm putting it in kind of quotation marks because I know if I say loan back, Bryn's going to tell me off. But that is the colloquial term that we hear in the industry. What are your thoughts on this? Because this is all I hear. So there's a loan to a connected party and then there's a loan to an unconnected party. So a loan to a connected party is a loan to your sponsoring employer which is the employer connected to your pension fund. So the general rule is that, well, the rule is that you can't loan more than 50% of the assets in a pension fund to that company. So somebody had a really clever idea of saying, well, okay, well, that, that company, usually they're investment companies that hold property because they're buying hold strategy, um, which a lot of people don't get. Um, it's not a trading company. So when you make a loan to that investment company, um, if that investment company is established and it's been going for a long time, uh, it's got a mix of assets, commercial resi, um, uh, then it is possible to make a loan back to that company um, as that company's business is property. Mm-hmm. So the loan has got to be used for the benefits of that business. The loan goes into the company. Um, rather than taking a charge over an asset, with We'd probably take if there's equity in the shares, 
because the assassin has got to hold a first charge at least equal in value to the loan being made, plus the interest. So if the SAS takes a charge, it would probably be better to take a charge over the shares of the business. So we need an accountant's valuation letter, which basically states that there's enough equity in those shares to um, support the loan. Um, it's not ideal as a first charge, but it does tick the boxes because obviously you're relying on equity in the shares that may not always be there but as long as the security exists when the loan is made that's 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 what matters you're not allowed to actually diminish the security deliberately so that's loan back what what you the, the problem comes is where people are, um, are loaning money to the sponsoring employer where it doesn't hold any assets and it's not a very established business because how does the SAS pension fund secure the charge um, it, it, it has to secure a charge against something and there's no unencumbered assets knocking around. So if somebody thought it would be a good idea to, for the property, incoming property purchase to act as a security. Now, whether that's commercial or residential, it's still not a great idea um, because you're loaning money to an SPV um, where a subsequent charge is going to be taken on that property. That subsequent charge... It's very similar to the way mortgage companies do it, yeah. But actually, um, the SAS isn't a mortgage company. So um, the, what the SAS guidelines say and legislation say is that the security has to exist before the loan is made. So that means that you cannot use a subsequent charge. So people are using the strategy in relation to residential and even buying a commercial property. The fact that it's commercial property doesn't get you out of the hole. Um, so it's very difficult for newbie property people to buy property, commercial or residential property, out of the SAS if they've got no track record and no SPV that's already been trading. So the thing, um, that, I mean, that comes back to the CMO strategy, which would absolutely allow the SAS yeah. to actually buy the premises inside the SAS and rent it to Propco outside of the SAS. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of loan back. Um, it, it has a purpose. Um, you know, it can be used in certain circumstances. But I often say to clients, it's you know, there's probably a better strategy than loan back for this, and certainly a safer one. Um, I mean, one of the rules with loan back is that the money has to be repaid over a maximum of five years, um, which basically means you need to pay twenty percent a year back. Now. Yeah. There aren't, there aren't that many property deals that are going to return 20% plus per year to allow those payments to be repaid. Now, if a payment isn't repaid, then there's an HMRC, unauthorized payment charge kicks in, um, which again, we've discussed earlier, is a 40% charge. And I think, you know, as a member trustee, potentially taking that risk, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen over the next five years. We've just come out of a pandemic that nobody foresaw, which had, you know, massive economic consequences to to the entire population. Um, so I would try and find a safer way of, of achieving sort of the, the same result because I keep going back to this. This is your pension. This is not fun money that we're playing with. This is here to provide relevant retirement benefits when you stop working. So please, please uh, be sensible, be prudent with, with, your, with your 
with your retirement fund. We're not saying you can't do things. We're saying find a better way or ask us to find a better way or better still, ask us and MCRE to, to, to find a better way between ourselves to help you achieve what you want. Yeah, I would agree with that. The only time I've only... The only time one of my clients has managed to make 20% per annum work is because we knew for definite that we were taking that 20% out of a different deal. So it was going to be an yeah. account. And that was the only way that we knew that we were going to get that back. And then we were going to be able to remortgage another property and all the money was going to go back. We would never put ourselves in that situation wow. and we would never allow our clients to put themselves in a situation where that wasn't going to work because it is. Yeah, you see, that, that's the circumstance where it is going to work because you're talking to an experienced property developer that's got other deals, that's got other properties, that's got other places that they can take income from, which is kind of where this may work. It's the difficulties for newbies because the a, a newbie person by, 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 by you know, <laughs> this is why they're here, that it's that they're new, so they don't have, you know, either, either the, the security that's required as Dave mentioned earlier, the first charge security that's required, or they don't have the 20% a year to, to pay it back, which is going to fill us with utter dread as the scheme administrator that they're going to break an HMRC rule, they're going to get in trouble, there's going to be an unauthorised payment charge, which is immense. It, it's, it's like swallowing a grapefruit whole, you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So always try and find the safest, the safest way of doing a deal is, is, is my advice. Agreed. And one thing I also want to bring up here that seems, what seems to happen is people open up their SAS, they think they're going to get this massive amount in, I'm sure they are, you know, whatever their pension transfer is, that's not my job. I don't, I just get told what the figure is at the end to use. I don't know anything about doing that, um, which is where <laughs> these guys come in because that's not my territory. But what I seem to get asked for is, Natasha, I'm getting 500, 600,000 pounds into my pension. Um, I want to do this big deal with all this cash out. And then we get to that point and it's terrifying. You can't do it. I want to make the point here that there is no embarrassment over starting with a small deal and just trying it out. Everybody is so fixated on trying to get as much money out of the deal so that they can go again. But rather than thinking, well, hold on a second, how do, why don't I just spend £100,000? Not even that. I'm doing my first deal with £10,000. <laughs> you know, spend a tiny bit of money and start bringing some money in and build up to it. I don't understand this have to go hard or go home and not do it at all. Are you seeing, are you seeing yeah, that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, hence my, my totally statement agree. earlier about um, start with a shop because it looks like a house. You know, it's probably the least scary commercial deal out there is 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 a shop because it looks like a house. It's got a downstairs and an upstairs. And you can be very creative with a shop doing a CMO strategy. Um, but, you know, you can, you can pick up shops for, for maybe £50,000 in certain areas of the country. So you can practice, um, you know, I mean, everybody will make mistakes, you, you know, on your first deal, on your second deal, on your third deal, people possibly make mistakes even on their fourth or fifth deal. They're just not the same mistakes. But starting small, I think, is no embarrassment whatsoever. It's, you know, it's practice. Um, but then if you get it right, as I explained earlier, you, you know, you could you could be making 15 to 20,000 pounds a year outside of a SAS from one small deal, um, which suddenly by the time you've done three or four of them, 
it's no longer a small deal then. It's 45, 50, 60,000 pound a year cash flow. Mm. Um, and you've got a brand new strategy, which let's be honest, there is not a massive amount of competition for in that world. It's not like buying a residential where 50 people have looked at it in a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages to, 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 to what, we're, what we're talking about. Start small, get practicing, um, and I think build up your confidence. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. <laughs> like I, still, I still have to get people over this hump. There's nothing okay. wrong with, you know, buying something small that's bringing in a small amount of money. Everything adds up. I think you see a lot of uh, trustees, you know, worrying about inflation, all the news that's out there, all the commentary uh, around the economy, and uh, people are thinking, well, okay, I've took my pension fund out of somewhere which was performing okay. I've got it. I thought it's bad years, it's good years. I need to jump on that straight away and I need it to be at least making that return. There's a huge transition taking place. You're actually now self-investing and the strategy needs or should be in place before funds land in the SaaS. Way in advance of those funds landing in. Um, You should have an idea of where you're going to deploy your funds. Um, If you're looking at deals and commercial property that might be a timing issue start small get something moving like you say um, and if you're not very experienced it's better to leave the money undeployed rather than making a bad deal as mm-hmm. far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And i think Bryn, you know we've, we've certainly seen a lot of developers new developers or new sorry member trustees coming in and it would have been the first development and it's not gone well. Seen quite a few where they've come out negative. Yeah. So the SAS pension has actually made a loss. First deal. Um, probably gone too big initially. Mm-hmm. Um, um, rather than just ease themselves into it. But uh yeah, I think you're right, Natasha. I think as yeah, well. I think education here, education yeah. here is 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 key, isn't it? And I've come along to one of uh, one of NCRE's deal analyzer sessions, which I think you run every other Thursday evening. Um, I think I'm right in saying there's there's, there's four or five uh, Rick surveyors there who analyze the, the pe- people's deals for them. Um, and I had an amazing hour and a half just just listening and and, and learning. And you know, I'd, I'd I'd strongly recommend anybody just just logs on to that and uh, and has a listen. And mm-hmm. and it's amazing what it's amazing what what you learn in an hour and a half. It's true. It's really true. So going forward then, if people are listening to this podcast and they're thinking, number one, how do I get started in SaaS? Number two, you know, how do I know what to do next? What would you guys recommend in terms of SaaS? We, I can help the commercial property side, but what, what would you guys recommend? I think it's understanding your eligibility for a SaaS, firstly. Um, which we can cover in a different podcast. Bryn and I are going to be doing some other podcasts uh, shortly uh, talking about this sort of stuff. So understand your eligibility. Um, if you are eligible and you can sort of uh, tick the boxes, um, does it work for you? Is it going to work for you? Um, uh, you know, What are your strategies? Is it realistic? Um, do you, uh, What is your contribution strategy? So there's lots of things that we need to discuss pre-setting up the SaaS. Um, that's not an issue for us, you know. We 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 we're quite happy to sit down with a with a, a, a member trustee or potential member trustee and talk through the pros and cons of 
having a SAS. And that's what we will we will we will do. So we always like to have an initial chat, uh, initial conversation. There might be two or three conversations uh, over Zoom, uh, just to d- discuss the pros and cons and make sure it's right for them. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. So it, it often is two or three conversations. It is. Often, yeah. It's you know, it, 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 well, if you haven't got one, it's new. It's new to you, even if your friends have got one, even if you've gone, you know, even if you've in a in an online group and you've heard about SaaS or read about SaaS, talked about SaaS, looked on the internet. If you've been on our website and and read up uh, all of the fact sheets that we offer on what SaaS is, what SaaS does, all of this is very helpful. But it is still new to to you if you haven't got one, um, and it's a big step, as Dave said. I mean, a SaaS stands for small self-administered scheme, and it's the self-administered bit that that's the key here. It comes with massive advantages. You are taking control of your own future pension fund, and it, you know there are some brilliant opportunities. But um, th- there's also there's also some huge responsibilities that come with that. So, you know, it, it will be uh, two or three conversations. You know, Dave and I take our jobs very seriously. We, we want you to have a SaaS, but we want you to have a SaaS if it's the right thing for you to have, and certainly not if it's the wrong thing for you to have. Um, I 100% agree with everything that Dave said, but then there's also a conversation to have about strategy. What is your strategy going to be going forwards? And people often do say property, which I 100% agree with. I think property and pensions are a match made in heaven, uh, both for this, this capital growth, the, the yield, as we've discussed, the security offered by the trust. It, it's it's a it, you know it's it's to it's, a, it's they're perfect bedfellows, should we say? But Dave and I can't talk about the investment strategy of the SAS through property because we're not RIC surveyors. We can talk about robust SAS administration and efficient SAS administration through our brilliant platform and uh, all the investments we've made in the technology to run SASs um, efficiently. But we can't talk about what property to buy because I'm not a property expert. <laughs> so you guys are. That's why we've uh, that's why we've partnered up with NCRE, who are property experts and will talk to you about. Um, what is a good deal, what isn't a good deal, and even offer a deal analyzer clinic so you can ask them whether it's a good deal before you buy. Um, and I think, you know, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to working with you guys because you, you've ticked a big box for our clients. Should I buy this property, Bryn? How the hell should I know? I'm your bloody pension expert. I'm not your SAS, I'm not your, I'm not your property expert. Well, where do I find a property expert? And now we can go, oh, well, if you tick that button, you'll get straight through to, to, a, to a property expert. So, Fabulous, fabulous. Welcome, welcome on board or welcome to working together. Amazing. On that note, I want to say thank you both for coming on my podcast today. If you want to find out more about Retirement Capital, I'm going to put the link in the show notes below. For all of my clients that are listening, you can find Bryn and Dave in the uh, Slack area under the SAS thread. So just ask them any questions you want. Thank you both so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you everybody for listening. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.